Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I am here with the coaches from the Endurance Lab. It is an early morning for a lot of us making this happen. I've got Taya, Andrea, and Ian and um, on the line here with us, and Mitch is out today. Um, but let's do a quick roundtable and find out how the coaches' weeks were today and what they've got going on. I'm going to start with Andrea this week. Andrea, what did you have going on this week? Let the lab know what's been happening. I had a very busy week with clients, a lot of people with a lot of stuff like lupus and limes <laughs> and gastro, so oh my. I, I, I take it on really personally and I get I get really tired, plus living with an Ironman guy who's doing mental training, so I had my tempo run this morning and I left the house thinking, God, I do not want to do this, I feel terrible, I feel tired, and then I just caught myself. And I think Ian mentioned before, you know, give yourself those 15 minutes, but I pulled it back to give myself right now. So I actually did my best session of the week. I averaged low four thirties per kilometer on the tempo sets. So just goes to show if you just pace it for how you feel right now, listen to your breathing. Don't worry about anything other than the right here, right now you get through it. That's awesome to hear. Yeah, that's really inspiring, especially with um, busy lives and that sort of thing. It can be really difficult to um, to bring it together, even for our own workouts. But that's definitely inspiring there, Andrea. Um, really quick for me, I'm in the recovery week. Um, I've got a little bit of time here to kind of regroup, regain, um, headed to a team camp next week. So super excited about that. Um, but just trying to regroup myself here um, and get my energies back together. We'll throw it over to Ian. Ian, um, how much TSS and um, make us all feel bad that we didn't do enough this week. <laughs> now, this week is about an 800 TSS week. So I'm, I'm building a little bit, but I, I, I don't know if I'll actually hit it. I've had a lot of... Uh, Early mornings for work, getting having to get up at four four fifteen. I know it's oh. not too early for you, Jason, but, uh, <laughs> but it's it's just been a matter of been working late, so I've been having to find time to get the workouts in, and I don't really train well on five hours of sleep. So, oh, uh, it, yeah, so it's been a little bit uh, a rough week. Um, so I'm I'm shifting around things a little bit, but I can't do too much shifting because Sunday I have to run a ten k. So I'll, I'll do the uh, four or five mile run to the race, do the race, and then run four or five miles back home. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're that you're like you're that guy that like runs to the run, and they're like, "Oh, you know, you want you want to meet after? Take the car. Where, where's your car at?" And be like, "Oh no, I ran here." He's like, "But you live twenty miles away." You're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's me." <laughs> yeah. So I mean, well, I actually have done that one time where I did a ten mile run to a five k race and a ten mile run back. But, that's um, awesome. No, it's a it's a good uh it, it's a good race here. It's on a road you can't normally run, but the uh the army here shuts down the uh or the Ministry of Defense shuts down the road so you can run on it. Nice. Normally you'd be run over by cars. Uh so it's actually a great race. It's a, a slight downhill to start, uh then into a little more downhill than you finish the last two K uphill. So it's a it's a hard it's a hard race. Oh wow, we look forward to hearing about that. Awesome, Taya. Um, buried in snow, I from what it sounds like. Um, where you managed to get um, some work in this week, or has it all been in the basement? It's all been in the basement for sure. And snow's starting to melt, so that's good news. Uh, the work this week for me was focused on climbing, doing all sorts of different things on a climb, be it a breakaway, be it end of peloton, 
accelerations, be it soloing away on a climb after a breakaway. So it's been um, in one of the days I had a total of 45 minutes low cadence in one workout. Whoa. Uh, so it's been, um, you know, between 50 and 60 RPMs and then between 60 and 70 RPMs, etc. cetera. Uh, but then some uh, high cadence mixed in as well. So it's been a great week, tough one though. By the time I uh, got into the Zwift workout module on Thursday for the Titan Hall that I was leading, <laughs> I didn't have much, you know, left in the tank. But and that was a great workout, by the way. Uh, lots of of riders uh, joined on that one, so it's been a good week. Yeah, I um I think uh, we're getting a really good response um in the workout module. Um, having somebody there to lead it, I think, is what is differentiating. Um, us from that. So if you guys um, haven't done one of these, definitely try to jump on um, on the schedule and see if you can join one of those. All right, let's transition over to this week in the lab. Um, I'll leave it with Taya here. She's going to be talking about the base work that we're doing and some of the exciting workouts that um, that we had this week and what we have coming up this weekend. So we started the week with the Taj Mahal and uh, the name comes from looking at the shape that the power line will be after you complete the workout, it will look like it will resemble the, uh, um, the profile of the Taj Mahal. So these were three pyramids, uh, two short pyramids of five minutes each with VO2 and then a middle one of sweet spot. And um, it looked a bit challenging, um, but from the feedback, most people got through it and enjoyed it. Then we did some over-under work, 646, and just enough time to for the legs to start to feel tired. You had recovery, and then you were ready for the next interval there. Then a mix of VO2 and S sweet spot in uh, one workout. Again, this week we're introducing, as you can, we introduced as you can see, VO2 into the mix to get the legs sharp and uh, remind the body that that system is there and don't let that go dormant for too long. And then for the weekend, we close this week with a longer SST workout, 20-minute um, intervals of sustained SST for a total of two hours. Yeah, solid workout. Um, we have done this before. Um, I think uh, people really, really responded to it. Um, I think it's a big mental um, block that people can jump over. And once they're past this, I think it definitely um, can, um, on the other side, uh, show the light and really um, show their strengths. All right, switching over to multi-sport. Ian, what do we got going on, on the multi-sport side for those athletes? Yeah, so we uh, subjected the uh, multi-sport athletes to the same Taj Mahal and the, and the, uh, and the uh, over-under. But then we threw in a little bit of tempo this week on the run, which actually they should be doing today, and then uh, an interesting swim. Um, the swim that we had laid out for yesterday is a – it's 100 repeats. It's the first time we've done something like this in the lab, and it's an interesting one because it's not 100 repeats on a fixed pace with a fixed uh, recovery interval. It's 100 repeats getting faster each time, but the goal is to – if it says for your target is to hit two minutes, you want to hit the wall right around that two-minute time. and then. The next one is about going to be probably usually about 150, then 140, and 135, or somewhere around there. It depends on what targets we, we've given everybody. But the goal is you're constantly going faster, and then you go back to an easy one. So you start teaching your body how to recover while continuing to swim instead of just recovering at the wall. And what, one of the reasons for this is it's really important when you get into a, a race and a tries, a lot of people, a lot of people go out really hard, or you have to accelerate out of the turns because you're in the middle of that uh, aqua mixed martial arts that's going on. So you need to be able to get that acceleration and then ease off a little bit and recover so you, you're not going to blow up in the middle of your swim. Because unlike blowing up on the bike or the run where you can just stop, 
you really don't want to blow up in the swim. It, it tends to be a little more traumatic. Um, and, and it leads to much more, uh, much more likelihood of, of not getting out of the water comfortable enough to continue or having to hold onto a paddleboard, uh, and recover that way. So this is one of those exercises that teaches you how to pace a little bit and it also teaches you how to recover. So you can actually do that in the middle of a race. It's definitely not an easy one though. No, definitely. Um, could be difficult for those, um, uh, those athletes that are um, first time to this type of um, workouts and really trying to push themselves into that next level. So um, definitely want to hear from you guys, those multi-sport as- athletes that are in the lab um, and see what you lo- see, what you thought of the workouts um, from this week and coming up um, and just to get some feedback from you guys. All right, sliding over to Hot Topics in the Lab. We're going to go actually straight to Andrea. Um, she's got a great connection, and she's got some great topics today. I'm going to let her choose out of the couple. We haven't had some um, really exciting topics from her kind of rise up over the week or so. Um, so we're going to start out. So, Andrea, you've got the mic. Let's hear what you got to, um, for this week. Okay. I was going to start out with a question that Stephanie asked about eating your electrolytes. Um, some very good conversation on that. Um, post on the forum. So I encourage people to go over and have a read. Um, I think when we're going out on the bike, we need to give ourselves options about what we're carrying. Um, some solids, some liquids, some electrolytes, the bite-sized bits, the bigger bits, just so that we kind of have a pick and mix. And I think that to be guided intuitively, but to know what we're doing. So how do we do that? Um, it's about on the practice rides, looking at what you actually ate and counting up the numbers. How many carbs, grams, carbs did I hit? How much mils of fluids did I hit? How did I feel? And how does that compare to what science say, says we should be doing? Because we're also individual. Um, there's guidelines around electrolyte intake. But when you look at the statistics, the norms, they're very wide. There's guidelines on carbs that are more set for most of us. For training, we want to be hitting maybe 40, 50, 60 grams carbs per hour, but that depends. And then in racing, we want to be able to tolerate 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 grams of carbs per hour. Wow. And for that, we need we need to practice it. So I think to know what we're doing, we have to be a bit conscious about it and, and start measuring it. Um, and that's looking at what we did now. A lot of people mentioned how they don't feel good when they're drinking their electrolytes or drinking the sugary drinks, um, but then they're not hungry. And I would ask the question, you know, go back and have a look. Were you over drinking just water, which is going to it is going to leave you feeling bloated? Or were you over drinking a a dilute sugary drink or an electrolyte product that may not have been strong enough for you? So that you weren't absorbing that optimally, you were diluting down your blood electrolytes, which then is going to have an impact on your appetite and desire to drink more. So I do feel that having some solid electrolytes on the bike, so the hammer e-lights or the salt sticks or any, I think some other, there are a couple of other ones that you can instantly just chow on if you need to get a little bit more having some electrolytes in a, in a water bottle and then having your carbs in a more concentrated form. And I think that sounds like what most people are doing. Um, then you need to think about like the cyclists, they're always going to be able to tolerate a little bit more solid food. Um, they don't have to get off the bike and run a half marathon or a marathon afterwards where 
food sitting on our stomachs is an issue. So it's looking at whether you're done after your ride or you have to go and do a brick or a, a run in a race. And, and for that reason, the triathletes do tend to stick with the slightly more liquid or a gel form or a mixture of a couple of bits of solids or jellies with the the more liquid form and the cyclists I feel can tolerate the, the solids better. If it's an easy aerobic run, we can all tolerate solids better and real food is way better. Um, I think Stephanie makes her own and I do encourage that and adding some salt. Like I sometimes will have bits of everything chopped up in my feed bag. I'll have dried fruit. I'll have some sports bars and I'll actually shake the salt cellar in on top of it mm-hmm. to get in a little bit more electrolytes. Cause I know from experience that I, I need them and I'll have two noons in my water bottle and I'll have a more concentrated specialist um, carbohydrate drink. So I have those options depending on the conditions. Do I need to drink more? Do I need to fuel more? How am I feeling? Um, but yeah, and Andrew, I'm, Andrew mm-hmm. on that, sorry to interrupt, but on that, I think the, the difference of when you're talking the, the multi-sport athletes versus the one-third athletes, um, they, the difference <laughs> they have there is – you know, one, one, when you start doing the run and and, and you, you just mentioned it, we can't take the solids necessarily. But I would argue, too, that a lot of multi-sport athletes, they get so in the mode of when you're on the bike, you're eating, and you just keep that up. We never really try to figure out how much do we really need when we run? What are my signals that I'm fading? What are my signals that, that I need that little bit of energy? And I, I've noticed I noticed I used to do it, and I've seen a lot of people, they way overeat on the run because they yeah. don't eat enough on the bike. Yeah. And the bike is your place to do it because I think you can be you can have more awareness Um, when you're running. It's really hard to gauge your appetite and what you need and your blood sugar levels. And you go from hero to zero really, really quickly. So getting in that last gel before you hit transition is really important. And I'll make a comment on uh, the uh, electrolyte on the salt, for example. What I do, too. So I have, for example, scratch in my bottle. But then what I do, I have in my pocket the salt stick fast chews. So those are chews that you can just, you know, very easily pick up from your pocket and chew on two or three of them if you need to. Um, there's also the um, another one that you can, um, I think it's base salt. That you it, can yeah. have a little tube and you just lick off of it, you know, as you yeah, need to. I, I do the same as you, Thea. I find it brilliant. The salt sticks aren't that concentrated in electrolytes but they they do the job when you add add it in on top of um i find it really good i can't tolerate i'd be afraid to take a capsule i know some of like the hammer and the salt sticks also have capsules but i'd be afraid that the capsule gets stuck in my throat yeah and yeah yeah yeah, and they they seem to i I, my experience with the capsule is it weighs a little more in the stomach um Versus the chews and uh, and or just the powder that you licked, it just seems to be absorbed faster. Yeah. Um. Oh. Yeah, the uh, base lab. By the way, I've done base. I actually did the first time ever I tried base was in the uh, run at Ironman Texas because I was cramping like a crazy person. Um, it's definitely good, but it's uh, it's a little bit harsh because it's it's not a powder. It's just basically a salt type like actual block uh little cubes of salt and you lick your finger you get it some on there and then you lick your finger and get it off and uh it's um it's a little harsh but you know it does the job yeah i think with um the use of uh something that actually is um that comes in via the mouth and um the tongue it does get that signal 
um, versus mm. the capsule. And I think that does play a role with a lot of the um, mm -hmm. nutrition that we take in, just dropping it in into the stomach and just letting it deal with it is much different than getting those those receptors that are saying, hey, get ready for this. This is what's coming in. And then being able to turn those signals on is really important for a lot of the things that we're trying to um, kind of signal or put in the body um, when it's under stress like this. So really good points. Yeah, it's amazing how similar a low salt for, and, and I know the, the research on salts and uh, how much we need and cramping, et cetera, is, you know, we could argue to death on that, but I've noticed that a low salt for me feels like a low blood glucose and instantly the difference in how you mm -hmm. feel, um, and also how you absorb, um, taking on some more salt can help with the absorption of carbohydrate so that you're, right. you, you feel a lot better. Um, that's been my experience, but everyone has to explore this for themselves and start getting in the habit of number crunching after a long ride. You know, measure your body weight before you ride, measure your body weight straight away afterwards. Look at the percentage of weight loss, 2% to 4%. It's, it's okay, depending on mm -hmm. conditions. We have more leeway in the cold than we would have in the heat. Um, we don't want to be coming in off a long ride or a long race the same. That's sort of overhydrating. Um, but getting an idea of what's your norm? How did you feel? How much fluid did you take on? Keeping the packets of food, if you can, and having a, a look at, well, how many grams of carbs did I eat? Um, for those of us that are efficient, it may not be that much. And that's great for training, but we know during a race we have to improve on that. So then it's working your way up. <laughs> um, so it's just trying to get an idea of how did I feel? What did I do? Where can I improve? And I don't think there's ever perfect. It's a real journey. Yeah, I think definitely um, testing that things out and um, getting a chance to be able to get out there both um, in real life and getting on the bikes and then the runs. Um, and seeing how you do, um, as well as trying different products, uh, is, is very important and taking good notes. The same way we, you know, plan our training, we need to, um, like we always say, kind of take a plan to make sure that we're covering our nutrition side of things as well. You've got one more there, Andrea, on your list? Yeah, uh, there was a question who asked about the stomach, Michelle. And she was saying that she has an undiagnosed stomach issue that makes her ultra sensitive to all sorts of foods and drinks. Um, I work a lot with gastro issues in the clinic and I would have a lot of people coming in telling me that you know, there's a lot of food intolerances to various things. And the kind of logical thing is keep taking things out. Um, but that can lead to more problems further down the line. So when it comes to the stomach, I urge people to find out actually what's going on. Have they picked, have, is there Helicobacter pylori, which would be a, an infection? Is there a gut parasite or a gut bacteria? And I, I see this a lot. And um, we travel, we live in a multicultural world. Um, food poisoning happens and sometimes we can be left with visitors and they will cause inflammation. Inflammation will then lead to food allergies. We will start to have symptoms. So it's really important to actually find out what's going on. Um, especially because endurance training is quite hard on our stomachs. It can lead to slightly more inflammation. We have periods of time when we've compromised the flow of blood circulation into the gut while we're training because it's, it's going to our muscles where we need it. Um, stress will also have an effect on the levels of beneficial bacteria that we have in our, our guts. And then if we add in antibiotics, um, medication, Poor diet, you know, we really are starting to see a bit of a mess. So there are some really good functional medicine companies 
and functional medicine practitioners that can order tests to see exactly what's going on. And then it can start to make sense of why certain foods aren't working or maybe fermenting and leading to issues. And then you heal the gut and then you tend to see that the problems go. Um, and it's important because further down the line, there tends to be issues for people with more serious problems. So the gut, really important, really important for our immune systems. So it could be quite a simple fix, just speaking to the right person. And I'm more than happy to chat more about that. Um, that's what I would say there, if that's any help. Yeah, um, each of us definitely are unique in the fact of how we um, kind of react to different things in the body. And this just really goes to speak to how much off the bike um, makes a difference of how well we do on the bike with trying to take in nutrition. So when you get outside of that 45 or one minute hour of working out and you're trying to go that long distance and with varying paces, this definitely makes a difference because we are trying to put those fuels back in and finding something that works for you, um, but as well, along with trying to find something that you can tolerate and not just kind of you know, deal with and then deal with like the aftermath afterwards, you know, hours after races, for example, um, is important. So dealing with these things off the bike away from training is definitely important. Really great talk today, Andrea. I really like that. So I'm going to um, shift gears over to Taya. Um, we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about FTP bumping and she's going to let us know about um, kind of what we could do and uh, when it's a good time to do that. So Taya. We've had a couple of uh, athletes that commented how in the forum how they have been doing the workouts and they're feeling really good and this is where you go in and even though it's a a week full of workouts a, a regular week and not a recovery week you're doing the hard workouts high tss for the week and still feeling that your legs are responding really well and you feel fresh for the most part and you you see that happening one week two weeks three weeks in a row so the question is, am I getting stronger? Is my FTP higher now? And we talked about FTP testing, et cetera, in prior coaches' corners. But I think the focus here is, could somebody bump their FTP manually, so go in to Training Peaks and increase it a little bit because they're feeling good and they feel they can do more? That is a, an acceptable approach and perfectly fine. If you feel that you are, like I said, responding really well and you can do more, then go into a workout and set your target 5% higher and see how you do and see if you can do that on a consistent basis. Yep. And if that is the case, then go in and bring your FTP up a little bit uh, manually without having to do an FTP test in the middle of the, an eight-week lab. Any other comments from the coaches? Yeah, I, de I definitely find this um, plenty of times through the week. Um, <laughs> train comes through. Um, so bumping the FTP through or even just um, up to 2 or 3% on a workout on a day that you feel good um, can be very useful. And it still allows some wiggle room with the amount of um, targets that we put in. For example, if we were to uh, put together an SST workout, typically it'll average around that middle um, you know, 85 to 95%. So you're looking at a 90% average over time. Even you, if you were to bump that 2 or 3%, you're still within the range. You're getting a feel for if you are on the top end of that. And if, in fact, you are on the top end of that, um, you should be able to bump. I would say after a couple workouts, 
um, you should you could give that a try. Um, I like the idea more and more as we go through the lab of people slowly bumping um, your FTP up three to five um, watts or just one to two percent um, because those are the changes that we would be looking at anyways as we go through FTP bumps over time as you increase your TSS or your stress throughout the week you'll find yourself that you'll get stronger that way um, and we don't necessarily need um, to go to an FTP test a 40p or whatever you're finding that you um, have to taper for to um, do an FTP test we just need to use that as the marker or the new flag that we put down in the sand to allow us to get the fitness that we need. Um, some weeks you'll feel really good and you can bump that and um, and some weeks you're not. Um, you gotta remember FTP is a fluctuating number so it's not always gonna be the same so you just need to get within the range and you're gonna get the work and the fitness that you need. And the local workout, so for example, the, uh, the SST 2054 that we have this week that is a sweet spot for two hours, that, that is also a good one to test the waters and see if you can spend sustained amount of time on that higher end. Absolutely, absolutely. And then on the opposite end of that, if you're starting to taper off and the power not being there at the end of that time, um, that can let us know that you're probably in a good spot or it's something that we are going to slowly build up and work to. Um, but we have been over the past couple of weeks, so your body should be getting to a point where it's able to do these kind of repeated uh, efforts with the proper amount of rest. Right. All right. Um, let's let's throw it over to Ian um, on the multi-sport side and just getting um, back to talking a little bit about running um, and uh, and that sort of thing here in the lab. So, Ian, what do we've got with that? Yeah. So one of the things that always comes up when people get back into running or just start running, whether they're they're going for multi-sport or they just want to add another dimension to their training, is everybody thinks that they're their seven to seventeen-year-old self when they first start. <laughs> And uh, that's a bit problematic because, let's face it, unless you just turned 18, you were nowhere near your 17-year-old self. Um, for most of us, that's, that's at least the way it is. So, so we have to get – you have to look at it from a different perspective. You know, you have to get into it and go, I can't run like I did 20 years ago today. Let's say you can't get there. I'm just saying today you can't do that. So the first thing is always just get out there and, and – and get going and running and walking. What I found for, for whether they're older athletes or people getting new, getting back into it or just starting running, running, running and walking is the best way I've seen people be able to adapt without having any injuries or getting frustrated. And, and that's a, that's a big component to it because your body gets a little bit of recovery and you're able to hold the pace, a running pace that's better when you're running. And if you walk fast, you don't really lose all that much as far as pacing goes. But that being said, when you are doing your running, whether you're going to run, walk, or just run, it's about maintaining consistent and even pacing. So one of the things I've seen, I've had a couple people ask me about how to improve their running, and they, they'll send me their data. I'll take a quick look at it, and it's almost always spiking or really fast at the beginning, and then it drops off. It's it's like we've talked about before. You know, My favorite is the the people in a, in a race who, who do the, I've never run a seven-minute mile in my life, but I'm going to do 26.2 of them today. Um, <laughs> You know, so, so, you know, it's, it's getting out too fast and then they're dead, you know, five to 10 minutes into the run. And, and then it's just a horrible experience after that because their body's completely gassed. Their uh, legs are taxed. So they can't do it. So getting out, starting at an easy pace, maintaining consistency. So you're not surging back and forth. Um, one of the ways I like to do this is 
most runs should be at a fairly moderate to easy pace unless you're doing some in- some very specific intensity or tempo work. So I judge that off the talking method. Um, you know, a lot of people like to say, oh, run at a perceived effort of this. Well, that that you can call it a perceived effort of mushroom or a perceived effort of three. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything to anybody who who doesn't, who's not used to this. So what I always tell people is there's five stages of running. There's where you can carry on an in-depth political, religious debate, whatnot, <laughs> um, you know, without and without losing your breath. Okay, that would be more or less walking or a very, 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 very easy recovery slash cool down uh, run. You know, then there's uh, level two, which is you could speak in multiple sentences, but not really a full paragraph without losing your breath. You know, so that's most recovery runs or just a very, just an easy run, but not completely cooling down. The third level is when you can speak a complete sentence, but if you went beyond a complete sentence, you'd probably start being out of breath somewhere in that sentence. And that's where I would consider most, most runs are going to be somewhere between that, that and the, and the previous stage. So those two stages are where most of your runs are going to be. And then you get into words. And that's when you're doing tempo, where you can spit out a word or maybe a phrase, right? And, and, and then it's, that's when, you know, when you're, when you're pushing, pushing it. And then from there, we move into, uh, we move into sound. And that's when the sounds you can make are, uh, 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 <laughs> that's about all you got. That means you're going full gas. Um, so that's where I try to, I try to lay it out that way. So people can just have a good understanding of how hard they should be running. And, you know, some, you can separate the words and phrases if you need, when you want to start fine tooth, uh, you know, using fine tooth comb on this one. But those different levels I found are very useful for people who don't have any good concept of what their pace should be or what their heart rate should be or what their running power should be. And if you go off of that, for the most part, you can start dialing in from there and, and like i said it's it seemed to work pretty quick uh for most people um and going off of that is you know using the talking method you can run with your friends your pets your kids whatever whatever's gonna help you get out there what's gonna help gonna get you motivated but you need to understand that there is a there's a drawback for doing that if you run with your friends you're beholden to your friend's pace but that's fast or slow or you have to communicate ahead of time and sometimes what happens like in cycling we have the half wheelers you also have the the hippers in running. They want to put their hips just slightly in front of your hips. And so it's just constantly pushing the pace a little more than it should. So you have to watch that. Um, and when you're running with your kids, whether in a stroller or they're on their bike next to you or even if they're running with you, just be cognizant of that. You know, if you're going out for a two-and-a-half-hour run, your, your kid may not be cool with that. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, pro- they're probably not going to want to sit in their stroller for two-and-a-half hours unless you gave them the iPad. Um, and likewise, don't expect your kid on the training wheels or their new, you know, new little new small bike to be able to do a two and a half hour ride with you while you're, while you're on the run. Now I personally have my wife ride next to me with my water bottles and some music and she'll do two hours with me like that, but that's pushing it. Um, and then pets, that's another one because someone brought up, you know, they were having to stop a lot with their pet. You have to train your dogs or, well, I'm guessing people don't run with their (laughs) cats and birds. So I'm just going to target this to dogs. Yeah, you have to train your dogs to get them to go to the bathroom right away or very early in the warm up. And then it's business after that. And what I found is keeping them on a short leash just behind you on your hip 
they learn to run with you that way. Then a little bit over time, and you're going to have to pull them because their dogs, especially labs and retrievers, are going to want to sniff everything right away. You just got to pull them along and keep them with you. Then they learn that, okay, this is business. We're going out for our run. It's different than our walk. And eventually you're able to use a running leash where you can put, it's like a belt where you just kind of attach them to and they kind of move around with a little freedom or even off leash if you live in an area where you can do that. Um, and, and that's what I found works really well. And, and frankly, the dogs, the bigger dogs especially tend to love it. I, I don't really recommend trying to do 15 to 20 miles with a Shih Tzu. I don't know. <laughs> really built for that. Um, so those are things I would definitely encourage. Uh, but I do say, make sure you consult your vet before you do that to make sure you have a dog that, that can actually do that. Um, or you take the dog for your cool down or your warm up or whatnot. And then lastly, I'll hit is running safety. Um, I've seen a lot of people doing a lot of dumb things while running. You know, they, uh, that, the concept for running is when you're on the open road, you run against traffic. That way mm-hmm. you can see who's about to mow you down. Yep. Uh, and you, uh, you wear lights and reflective gear. If you don't do that, you're going to get hit. And I see it all the time with people with their brand new Nike running gear that's black, um, okay. running at night. Um, one of the tricks I learned when I used to have to run at 3.30 or 4 in the morning was I would put um, reflective tape on the back of my shoes um, hmm. and on the front of my shoes. So it just was like these little weird reflective. I'm sure people thought they were seeing things at the time, but... Um, it did, it did make me a little brighter. Plus my, my headlamp and my, uh, and my, uh, flashing red light that I had on me. And sometimes I even wore a reflective vest or belt. So these are all the things you have to worry about. Same with running with your music. If you run, live in certain areas like where I live, you don't run with your music because you're going to get robbed. Um, you know, so you have to be cognizant of that. If you're running with music, you can't hear someone coming up behind you. So just all these things that need to be thought about when you get back into running. If, you know, if the last time you ran was 1985, some of these threats didn't exist and these concerns didn't exist. So just think about that now as you run because we want everyone to be safe when they're out there having fun. Absolutely. Some really, really great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. With the Walkman, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. With the, no more the yellow around. Walkman. Yep. It was a sports okay. Walkman, okay? No, Jason, we know you went out running with one of those those big headphones with the antenna on it so you could get your favorite radio station. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, it was a tennis time for me, so no running then, uh, definitely doing drills. A really good conversation. I think um, a lot of those tips um, also go for going out for um, rides, um, whether you're bringing um, you know, friends or family um, or riding with someone that's not your pace. And judging your pace is super important. And going out with um, a very specific goal in mind, um, whether it be a tra- if it in fact it is a training ride versus just um, kind of what comes at you, um, it's important to set the, I guess, the tone of that ride. And I think that was a really good example of when um, Ian was out here um, and it was very, very clear um, as we did our training ride what we were going to do and when we were going to go hard and when we were going to go easy so that people knew when it was going to, um, to get tough. Um, and I really like the... Um, idea of breaking down zones into uh, kind of efforts. Um, I think we could also use that um, for us, I guess, one-third athletes. I wish I can get a camera view of every time Ian comes up with what he can call cyclist um, on Taya because she's got, like, the greatest, I can only imagine the greatest space. <laughs> so, but, yeah, some really great there. So, all right. So as we kind of roll around here, um, let's quickly head over to On the Horizon and what we've got next. Um, Taya, what do we got in the group workouts this week? So this week we're going to be looking at, where are my notes? 
Oh, here we go. Okay. So we're going to bring in some more VO2 this week. Um, we're going to be doing some more punchy type workouts. So shorter intervals, but with punchiness, um, having to, let's say, start with a VO2 effort and then hold it at some somewhere between threshold and tempo. So we're going to have a race simulation in there. We're going to have a breakaway simulation. And then we're going to finish off the week with an SST workout. These are, these are not easy workouts. Um, one of these are, um, if I remember, Ian's uh, Ian's creations, and uh, we did it as a group, and it was pretty, pretty intense. So definitely grab a friend if you can um, get together. Um, I think it could be a fun time. Um, as far as um, uh, on the intramural side, um, on sorry, on the multi-sport side, what do we, what do you guys got coming up this week, Ian? So, so this is one that I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for. I, I know that going into. <laughs> And that's because we incorporated individual medley. Um, individual medley, for those who are who are not tracking, is uh, you start with the fly, you do the ne- you do the next length with the uh, back, the next length breaststroke, and then last length uh, free. And the reason I put this in there, and I have I am one of those who suffers from adult onset swimming, so I am not a natural swimmer. I've had to learn this through waterboarding uh, in the pool, but if you can work the fly stroke, the breast stroke, and the back stroke, the general concept of the stroke is the exact same as the freestyle, the angle of your arm moving through the water. The difference is how you're going to push the water through and get that catch. And what I found is the more I work on my fly, the much better catch I have on my free. And the breast is really almost like a sculling type effort because you're not you're catching the water up front and you're bringing it just in a part way. So these are different things that are going to help you in the long run. And, and honestly, the fly will make you much stronger. Um, but I do understand that not everyone can do it or not everyone can do it 10 times. So just give it a try. Throw on fins if you have to. That's how I, I got able to do it. Um, throw on some little zoomer fins, and that helped quite a bit. Um, or you can use the uh, sim shorts from Roca. Those are good to help out. But um, tr- just give it a try. And if you can't do it, you know, practice a little bit and then switch to go free back, breast, free. Um, and, and that's, like I said, it's going to make you stronger in the long run. It's going to make you look silly in the short run, but it's well worth it. Um, and if you have someone who knows how to do the fly appropriately, have them get in the water and show you. Or watch some videos on YouTube like I did and then figure it out. Um, and I'm still not very good at it. I can do 50 straight, but that's it. Um, and then the second part we have, we're going to throw in a little bit of our uh, five-minute effort long run. So we're getting back we added a little tempo this week, and we're going to do these longer runs uh, with some tempo thrown in. And this is really important because you're going to be pushing the effort a little bit, then dialing it back, pushing the effort and dialing it back. So think of it somewhat like you're doing your VO2 work or your uh, some of the FTP work we've done, like the Great Wall or Taj Mahal. It's very similar to that, just on the running side of the house. Excellent. All right. I was just looking at the schedule for next week. Um... And uh, the group workouts we have, a lot of us will actually be together um, next week, so um, they are are not on the schedule. I know Stefan will will be in. Um, he's got scheduled um, the punchy five to one uh, workout, but I will double check to make sure that is. So Stefan is um, Thursday at five fifteen Eastern. Um, that's his time slot there. Um, Taya and Mitch um, will not be doing their group workouts today. We actually will all be in Arizona all together by Wednesday. So that, that that's, is a good time. Um, I think we have one last thing to cover that I missed. Um, I wanted to do um, lab rat. So, um, Taya, if we could bring that in for our final thing here. 
Our lab rat of the week is Michelle. Michelle has been persevering through all that came her way during uh, the last week or so. She has had to overcome her schedule at work. Uh, she traveled for a conference and so she asked us, how do I move things around with my workouts? And then when she was back, she was ill. Um, so then she had to deal with that and uh, work out and how do I deal with, with, with that as well. So really communicating at all times with us through the uh, forum. Um, she also mentioned how she is getting used to being outside of erg mode. At the beginning, the power was really jumping in all over the place and she's now getting used to it. So all of all of those things coming in together um, in addition to some great questions on the nutrition side as well so michelle has been taking full of the advantage of uh, the availability of the coaches in the lab asking all the good questions and getting us to help her through uh, all of these things that she had to handle in the last uh, couple of weeks so way to go michelle Absolutely. Congratulations, Michelle. This goes for any of you lab writers. Um, definitely use us as a resource. That is what we're here for. We're here to answer your questions. We're here to motivate. Um, we're here to bring you up when you're up and, um, oh no, pull, bring you up when you're down um, and uh, give you give you praise when you're doing well as well. So we are here to do that job for you. Um, and then Ian will make you feel bad because he did a whole lot of workout more than you did. So. <laughs> but all right. So uh, don't, 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 don't just blame that on me. Andrea just is nice and doesn't talk about her numbers. It is, it is. It is. Andrea will give you fear if you, uh, if you post your dinner, um, good or and or bad. She will let you know how that feels. <laughs> I like that. So quick, quick wrap up today. Um, great week in the lab um, this week. A lot of SST work um, in the multi-sport. Definitely some progressions happening. The hot topics including bumping your FTP, some GI issues, how to get um, more salt kind of and getting your electrolytes in as well as um, some really good tips about running. Congratulations to Michelle for the lab rat of the week and looking forward. We've got a really great um, week moving forward. This is the second half. We are over the hump here um, in the lab so you guys are doing great in all of your workouts we've got a lot of um, really good responses from you guys so if you need anything definitely head over to the forum at endurancelab.fit if you need anything from us you know definitely ping us there in the forum it can definitely be useful and if you have questions for the lab definitely join us here for the coach's corner and if you're not catching this on the live stream you can definitely catch us on your favorite in um, podcast app by searching the endurance lab or subscribing on the YouTube channel as you search for the endurance lab where you see all of our YouTube videos, um, the introductions for each of the workouts as well as the the movements for the strength workouts. Um, so from the coaches here in the coaches corner from Taya, Andrea and Ian, um, I want to thank you for joining us here in the coaches corner and for the coaches, I will see you all in just a short week. Have a good day. Bye bye.